0: We're going through the book of Romans because Romans is such a significant book. In fact, in all the time that I've been here, it's the only book which, as a book, we are covering for the second time. And those who have been with me in the man cave know that um, I've been trying to get it engaged there. That's a little trickier to do, but we're going through with a much greater depth than in the man cave. And uh, we're just coming back, working our way through it because it is so important. The thing that I've noticed about this book is that it touches so many areas of life. In the last couple months, as we've begun the book, time and again, I find myself, I'm having a conversation with somebody, we're talking about this, we're talking about that, and then I find myself saying, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about that in Romans 14. Oh, that'll come up in Romans 9. Oh, Romans 7 and 8 on this topic, and different people, different topics, and I'm able to keep saying Uh, Stay with us. This is going to come up because Romans touches on so much stuff that just relates to life, where we live, how we live, and, and where things are at. So we've been working our way very slowly through this first chapter, and that has been intentional. And what we've noticed is that before explaining how God saves people from eternal condemnation, because that's what this is about, this book, which is about the gospel, how God, before explaining how God saves people, Paul carefully explains why we all need to be saved. We all need to be saved from this condemnation. And we're summarizing that need with this simple phrase, we all need to be saved because why? We all, everybody's got stuff. That's it. Everybody's got stuff. And that stuff, we will see, is the stuff of our own guilt, our own sin, our own failures before the Creator God of the universe. Everybody is guilty before Him. And He's laying that out, and we're looking at it. And it's it, not always fun to look at things that convict us that, oh, yeah. I guess I really haven't lived up, have I? In verses 18 to 23, it describes what what men did. And we've been through that enough now that it'll sound familiar to you when I say, you recall this, they suppressed the truth that they knew. God made it known to them. They suppressed it. They held it down. They didn't glorify Him. They were not thankful. They professed themselves as wise and in the process became fools. And they turn to idolatry. That's how those verses 18 to 23 describe what man has done. When we come to verses 24 to 32, it describes what God has done in response to what man did in those verses. And last week, I'm not sure that I stated it as clearly as I needed to. And i always in rethinking messages on my way home. I go, you could have said that so much simpler. That's what always hits me. But anyways... What I wanted to, what I want to make note of is, you'll recall there was this threefold uh, repetition. Verse twenty-four, God gave them up to uncleanness, which I believe just has to do with sexual immorality outside of marriage. Second, he gave them up to vile passions. Now it's gone to sexual immorality that would be defined as homosexuality, not only outside of marriage but outside of God's designs. Thirdly, verse 28, he gave them over to a debased mind. And now this whole flood of other things are happening, which are not good. And rather than repenting, the chapter ends, they celebrated their choices for their degrading lifestyles. They didn't repent. They didn't realize what God had been doing. And, and they just thought it was a great idea. So that's what we tried to note about what God did very specifically. But what we didn't take virtually any time to deal with was the fact that in those same verses, God is describing his assessment of their behavior. And that's what we're going to deal with today, that assessment of their behavior. So I want to read once again verses 24 to 32. They will sound very familiar to you and we're going to take a different element of them as we follow. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, we just mentioned that, and then lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due." Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, we seem to have heard that a whole bunch of times, haven't we? Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. That's where it started. We saw the progression there, and then it moves on wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Now friends, because of where we are at as a country, where our culture is going, what I think we might find is that some of his assessments as to how God views these things, some of his assessments make sense to us, and some we're not so sure about. We're not so sure that we can agree with him on this. So it might be kind of hard to comprehend his assessments. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like this. Do you remember Biden was running as a uniter? Remember Kamala took all that time to tell us how he was good old Joe? And and he's going to bring us together. And and Biden, you know, why did he get into the race? Because he's fighting for the soul of America. Remember that? And he's going to unite us. He ran on it. Wonderful. We want to be united. We were tired of years of, of rancor that was put forth, not necessarily fairly, but it was put forth with Donald Trump. But I began to not be able to comprehend something, though. Because as he's going forth with his ridiculously named Build Back Better program, he kept talking about how this was going to provide good-paying union jobs. Always good-paying union jobs. Good-paying union jobs. And all the time I'm going, wait a second. Most of us don't work for a union. How are you uniting us if you were just saying, good-paying union and non-union jobs, I'm going great. I, I see the unification here. But you kept pushing good-paying union jobs. That's dividing us. So that, to me, was not comprehensible. But there is something that was comprehensible. See, because within our, within our country, we have people who believe borders should be open. Anybody has a right to come to America and take advantage of all that we have. And we have just as many people who believe we need strong borders, that it just can't everybody be pouring in. And I can comprehend Biden's border position because he saw both sides of the country and he's kept everybody happy. If you want open borders, move down to the south. We're keeping the southern border open. If you want closed borders, move up north. We're keeping the Canadian border closed. He kept everybody happy. That was, thank you for those of you who chuckled, because that was a bit of humor attended there, attempted there. Seems like it's all incomprehensible. But what I'd like to begin with, I want to take it from the last and then come back up to it. We can comprehend in God's assessment of this movement. Remember, he gave them over, he gave them over, he gave them over. And as he gave them over, there's this downward progression. It just feels like it's getting uglier and uglier. We get the last assessment. That's not hard for us to comprehend. Here's where we wind up in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And most of this we don't have a problem with, being filled with all unrighteousness, general statement, sexual immorality, which he's already started with in the earlier section. And then he jumps off from there. He says, oh, it goes further than that. Wickedness. Well, we don't want wickedness filling our country. We don't want wickedness filling our lives. We don't want wickedness being that which is working in our families. We get that. Of course. Of course God would say that's not good. Covetousness. We know that that creates problems when we feel like I should have what they have and the government should be used to give it to me. Yeah, we know that's got its own problems. Maliciousness. When we act in ways that are out literally to hurt people. I don't want to treat this person well. I don't want to care for them. And we are, do things that will hurt them. Not that we've ever seen that in our natural discussion anytime time recently. Full of envy. Kind of goes along with the whole issue of covetedness. Murder. All right. We don't want murders to increase. We get it. This is a really ugly list that is here, and this is where they went to as they progressed downward by denying God. Strife, the constant fighting. Deceit. Nobody likes to be lied to. I mean, don't you just hate it when you know somebody lies to you? You do. I do. Evil mindedness out making plans that are designed to, uh, to do things which are not good. And, and I could give you illustrations of each of these. I don't want to, I don't want to take the time for that because this isn't, this isn't the tricky part. We get this part, right? We're all in agreement. These things are not good. They're whisperers. They're always got these little plans going around and hiding this from somebody, hiding that. Backbiters. They're picking at one another. They're destroying one another's reputation. They're haters of God. Well, that can't be good. Violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. And then he ends with five onwards undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. This part we get. It's at the bottom part. It's the second half of that list of things, that progression that's going on. We get this. Do any of you want to build your lives on any of those things? No. We all want to build our lives on things that are better than that, so we we accept that. You following me? We get it. We embrace that. Not good things. We get it. But when it comes to the first part, not the second part, the first part. We may or may not comprehend God's assessment. I had a conversation, uh, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, two months ago. My son Mike called me, and he, he, was, he had clearly been in a conversation with somebody, and the conversation had turned to the question of, not that the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, but he's saying, Dad... Can you tell me why? Why is it wrong? He wanted to be able to respond to the people who were kind of probing that maybe that's not such a bad thing. And he wanted to be able to say, no, here's why you don't want to go there. So why is it wrong? That was my son, Mike, this last week when Matt was home, and that's why Lori's not here. She was taking care of his kids to harbors while he was here with his cousin hunting. Uh, at the beginning of the week, we wound up in a conversation, same topic. And I assume Matt would have the same question. The same question being, uh, why is it wrong, Dad? And as I kind of went there, I said, you probably are thinking about like Mike does. He goes, no, actually not. He said, I'm fine if the Bible says it's wrong, that it's wrong. I don't have to answer that question. And that got me thinking a couple of other thoughts. So, we may or may not comprehend and agree and go along with that first section. It may come easy to us, it may not. But here's what I'd like to, I'd like to speak to you first of all, if, who are like Mike, who want, a, want an explanation, why is it wrong? Not just that it is, but why might God consider that to be wrong? And if you're like Matt, you go, I don't need an explanation as to why it's wrong. Listen up anyways. In case you have that question put to you, and somebody's not going to accept readily that, well, the Bible says so. Well, that might be fine for you, but they're going, to ask, they're going to want something more than that. So you need to have something, a little bit of something, to be able to respond to them, even though for you it's fine. Does that make sense? So here's where we're going to go with that. And the first thing that I'd like to suggest, very simple, and actually it's what Matt stirred me to think about. If you're wondering why is it wrong, notice the list. Right, we, we agree this down here is wrong. Up here is all part of the same progression. It's the beginning of the progression. So even if I can't mentally wrap my arms around why this up here is wrong, I realize all of this isn't, and if it's all part of the same thing, maybe I ought to give it some thought. Maybe I ought to consider that, hmm, what my culture is telling me, that all of this stuff up here is great, it's good, celebrate it, go for it. 87 genders, maybe they're not right on this because it's part of this bigger thing. You following me? It's just part of that list. So it may wanna cause us to question that. The second thing I'd like us to consider, this gets very personal uh, with each of us as we're processing that, is if you're struggling with, why are we calling these things? Because my culture is telling me these things are all fine. If you're struggling with that question, you may wanna ask yourself this question, Well, what about it bothers you? Why are you struggling that God lists this with all of these other things? Why? Pay attention to the answer that comes to that. Is it just that our culture is constantly reminding us? Do we know somebody who's in the lifestyle and they're very nice people? And they are. They are. The friends that I have had throughout my journey in life who are are in the lifestyle, I've loved every one of them. They're not out to hurt anyone. Perhaps we need to ask the question is, how would other scriptures inform us on this? You know, what, should we at least be aware that a Leviticus 18.22 says of this lifestyle, of men with men and women with women, that it is an abomination? Maybe we ought to at least reflect on that for a time and see how that will inform us of this thing, why we're bothered by uh, Scripture's strong stand against such a lifestyle. But something to think about. But mostly, what I want to share with you is what I simply call the Genesis Connection. Takes us a little bit of thinking to go through it, but you're a smartest group of people that I have spoken with today, so <laughs> you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Genesis Chapter 6, those of you who know your Bibles well are already resonating with the fact that this is about Noah, about the flood. And those of you who have been at least through Sunday school probably have heard that Noah uh, was selected because God was going to cleanse the earth. He's going to start things all over. Why? Because their thoughts were only evil continually. Everything in their thoughts. That's kind of where we go with little kids. But you're a mature audience, and I want to remind you that verse 11 and verse 13 very specifically say in Genesis 6 that violence filled the earth. Violence was the problem. This is where mankind had degraded to. And if you think about it, right after the fall, violence was an issue. Cain and Abel, next chapter after we have the fall, violence. Violence followed by Lamech, a guy who does violence. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, the earth is filled with violence, and God's going to cleanse it. So you need to understand that's before we get to the actual flood. And then they're coming off the ark. You know the whole story. And God is instructing Noah, here's how you need to live now. This is what you need to establish as you go forth. And we read in Genesis 9 beginning in verse 6, Genesis 9, verse 6, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply in it. So God was doing two things. First, when he says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood should be shed, he is establishing government. He is establishing for the first time that there needs to be an entity in place that will help curtail that rampant violence that had taken place before. And it's going to be men are going to set up a government that's going to curtail that. And... Stay with us through Romans 13, and you'll see, this is coming, what is the good and godly and and purposeful role of government. We're going to discuss that further. We'll get there. But here in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, he first sets up uh, uh, the institution of government to curtail evil. Why? Did you notice what he said? Why is it we can't let that happen again? That that what government is going to be called upon to do is to take the murderer and deal with him according to capital punishment. He institutes capital punishment for dealing with murder. Hmm. Why? Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made Man. We didn't get here as the end of some long evolutionary process. We were created on the sixth day. And we were created distinct from the animal kingdom. So that when my son and his cousin each went home with a deer that they harvested just this past week, they were all excited. It was a fun hunt, it was a great time for them. That is all within the realm of God's instruction. He told them they can go ahead and eat meat after they came off the ark. That's fine, but you don't kill another human being. There's a difference. Some people might say, well, we're just animals. You know, We're just another one of the animals. No, we're not. We are made in God's image. And God has said, you do not destroy that image in another person, and because because I can see that you let it go and that's going to just run rampant and violence will fill the earth, we're going to put in government, we're going to curtail that. See, because the person, the person who's been put to death, who's, who has experienced capital punishment for having killed somebody else and destroyed the image of God of somebody else, after they experienced capital punishment, they haven't killed another person. 100%, times, 100% of the times it has worked that the person put to death Um, for having killed somebody else has not taken another person's life. It's pretty effective. Now, I don't take lightly. There's a whole discussion behind it. Don't think I'm taking lightly this question of justice and making sure that laws and things are in place so this is handled properly. It's a very serious responsibility that God gives those in government. And all too often, we know, people in government are corrupt. People in government have their own issues. So I'm not making light of that. But I am saying, look what God did. Over what? The question of His image. You following me? You don't destroy the image of God in another person. So hopefully we've laid that out. And what, what were they to do then? They were to be fruitful and multiply. We'd heard that before, hadn't we? Hmm. Let's go back now to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 20, verses 26 to 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And notice what it says here. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is what they're going to do, as having been made in God's image. So, With that intention in mind, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Are you noticing it's kind of about the image of God? We're talking about that, aren't we? You you, you following me on that topic? In the image of God, he created him. Hello, male and female, he created them. The image of God is not born solely by those of us of the male gender in here. We carry some aspect of it. But we don't carry the whole aspect of God's image. Because the women here carry some other of the aspect of God's image. And collectively, we're almost getting there. Because I believe for the full image of God to be seen... You need this maleness and this femaleness to come together to create this otherness called a baby. And now we have a picture of the triune God. Takes three. That image is being fulfilled. And you'll notice that their task is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Have dominion over it. The only way they're going to have dominion over the earth is if there's enough of them for that to happen. So this whole childbearing, child-producing element of it is significantly important to God's purposes for maleness and femaleness and bearing in that His image. Now, some of you have already guessed where I'm going with this. To affirm same-sex relationships is to denounce God's purposes for maleness and femaleness. And that's, that is so important to remember. That's what this is about. It is about God's purposes for maleness and femaleness. There is a purpose to maleness and femaleness that God has designed. And in that, we have one, the purpose, one of His purposes is image-bearing. Right, it's going, to, it's going to bear His image. The second thing is reproduction. It matters in fulfilling that purpose of image-bearing, both in the person of God and then as mankind spreads out over the earth to have dominion, which having dominion is another thing. God has dominion over the entire universe, which sits here, right? The Scripture tells us in His hand. But we've been given dominion over this globe that we're on here. And that's how we can relate to God and understand who He is and reflect who He is. So you see, friends, here's what I'm trying to get to. Ultimately, it is a spiritual battle. Ultimately, it is about God and what He has designed and why He has designed it. Can we be clear with this? It's not about me personally that I find the, the whole topic of same-sex attraction is finally, that doesn't work for me, I'm sorry. I don't, have, I, don't, I don't question at all my orientation on this. But some people do, and some people have issues with that. We could talk about that more next week. It's not a question of my response to it personally. Who am I to say what is wrong? Who am I to say what adults consensually are doing Privately is wrong. Who am I to have any opinion on that? I got no opinion. It's not up to me. But God has an opinion. And it is up to Him. Because He has created this aspect of our being, our maleness and our femaleness, to play a role in our image bearing. And that was one of the very purposes for which we were created. Is it not to bear His image? And we cannot bear his image when we cross the wires on this one. Say, oh, it doesn't matter whoever men get with or whoever women get with. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because we're destroying the image of God in the process. And we cannot ask God to bless or accept the willful destruction of his image among us. That's why I started in Genesis 6 and went to Genesis 9. So we could understand. He takes very seriously destroying his image to the point of, I mean, in another person, to the point of capital punishment. He didn't say, oh, it was unfair of you to take that person's life, therefore uh, we're going to see that your life is taken because, you know, it's an eye for an eye. He went, no, it's wrong of you to take that life because they are an image bearer of me. And I am going to protect my purposes for my image bearers. But we find out in this realm, image bearing is taking place in this realm of our maleness and femaleness. It carries right through to that. It's easy for us to say, see, here's the deal, friends. It's easy for us to say, oh yeah, murder is wrong. We can see that it's unfair of what you do to others. But our culture has so inundated us. With thinking on this other topic, it may not be so easy for us to be able to say, So, why is that same sex thing wrong again? Because it's destroying the image bearing of God. Men and women were made to come together to create a child. There is never a child created from same sex involvement. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen and this, the image of God is being destroyed. Man and woman were to create children in order to fill the earth so, God, so dominion could happen. Nobody's filling the earth with same-sex relationships. Can I remind you that Jesus said that he had come, that we may have life and have it more abundantly, and the evil one came to kill, steal, and destroy. Can you see how it is a spiritual issue, how Satan delights, delights for us to get caught up in this lie that is kill, stealing, and destroying God's image in men and women. He loves it. Loves it to the point that as the end of our scripture says, you know, not only are they delighted to do it, but they rejoice in those who, others who do it. They're celebrating it. They're pushing it. I like to say they're agendizing it. You think that comes, that, that purpose of, of all of this constantly pushing this stuff comes from God in heaven? I don't think so. So friends, please understand what I'm saying. The people who I know who are involved in same that I know who are involved in same-sex attraction issues and, and relationships, I love them and I care about them. But because they're people just like you and me, and everybody's got stuff, this is their stuff. And i might talk about more more about this next week. But I love them. I, I I care about them. They're nice people. They're not terrible people. This is their stuff. Like we all got stuff. But understand, I can't, I can't affirm them. That's, that's good for you. Thanks for knowing who you really are. Thanks for, for being brave enough to come out with that. No, that's a lie we're being told, friends. That's a lie we're being told. That somehow this is okay. Because it's destroying the image of God. A little harder to understand, but still the same issue. For the reason that God cleansed the earth in the time of Noah. We were destroying the image of God with one another. And now we're back to that place. We're just going about it a different way. Because we all know, well, we don't want to do murdering anymore. And the evil one just comes right in. Remember, he's more subtle than all the beasts of the field. And he just comes right in. Well, i got a new way to destroy God's image in your midst. Here's what it's gonna we're all going to be. The world goes, oh, great, this is really good. No, it's not. No, it's not, friends and may God give us the wisdom and strength and the courage to know how to think these things through and to not fall prey to the lie let's pray Father thank you thank you that you are so loving you are so gracious you are so kind and Lord when we see our culture just going in directions one place after another after another in places that are contrary to your will, so contrary to what you've revealed of yourself, Lord, um, thank you that you continue to be patient and gracious and reach out to people. And that every day you are redeeming people for the sake of your kingdom. Every day people are coming to Christ. Every day people are being born again, and I thank you for that. I pray that if anyone in this worship center right now or listening on the internet, if anyone hears Here's the Spirit speaking to them that I'm calling you. You need to be born again. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to understand what he has done for you, that they indeed will receive him even now. Believe on him and find new life in him. I ask it in his precious name. Amen. Amen.